0: Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Jeremy Thomas. Today we have a small taste, an appetizer, a short snippet of one of Jeremy's recent teachings covering the key point or key doctrine from that sermon. It's a short, easy-to-digest, and encouraging sample from a bigger lesson. We hope you enjoy it.
1: And before we do, there's a was a question asked last week that I want to just talk briefly about. The question was along the lines of, Hey, look, I mean, all these test case passages that you you use to discuss lordship, salvation versus free grace seem to clearly support the free grace position. So how do those who are lordship, salvation, explain these verses? Well, there was a few verses you might remember that I I called up to use. Uh, For example, Acts 16, 31, where... The Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And, oh, Walker, it's okay, buddy. We love you, Walker. It's good. (laughs) He's happy now. Um, The Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And remember, the issue with lordship is that they basically make us, uh, the call to salvation... And the call to discipleship the same call okay so these two equal one another and so all the descriptions of the calls to discipleship like counting the cost and if you do not hate your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters you cannot be my disciple and so forth they they say that's the same thing as a call to salvation so that's basically lordship salvation in a nutshell So how would Acts 16.31 support the idea of lordship salvation? In their view, when Paul and Silas said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, they take the lordship there, the word Lord, Lord Jesus, and they say, well, that means the person must submit to his lordship. Where actually all it is is just a description that he is Lord. So I did go back and read in MacArthur's book on lordship salvation, which is called... um, the gospel according to Jesus. And he mentions it on about in about five different places in the book, and that's always basically what he says, is that that means you have to make him Lord. And I think that the passage definitely does not say you have to make him Lord. I mean, everybody knows that, or should. It just says that he is the Lord Jesus. That's who he is by nature. So that's how he dealt with that. Um, how about Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and Titus... Five through eight. Both these passages I cited to show that they both talk about being saved by grace or by God's mercy. And then after that, they talk about the importance of a believer doing works. In other words, it's the purpose of us becoming believers is that we might do good works. Right. They put those two together so that they would say, in all these, their descriptions of these passages, they say what this means is that if you really are a believer... You will do good works. And so if you don't have good works, you're not really a believer. Okay? So that's how they explain those types of passages. But again, these are just purpose clauses. They're just explaining the purpose for us uh, being saved is to do good works. Not if you do, do good works, that proves you are saved or, or anything like that. Okay? But that's their theology, so they bring that to the text. Uh, in the passage like 1 Corinthians 4... Three through five, where Paul says, "Look, I don't even judge myself. I mean, I don't. I mean, I. I, I don't even know all my motives." Um, there was no, they had no comment on this passage, um, and then the last one was 1 Corinthians five one, and that's where you had um, a Gentile believer who was living worse than unbelievers because he had his father's wife. And so Paul was saying that, you know, you need to discipline this man and, you know, basically excommunicate him or separate from fellowship with him in the church uh, for we are to judge those inside the church, but what do we have to do with judging those outside the church? God judges them. So you should judge this man by putting him outside the church. In this passage, they said that, uh, MacArthur said that he was an unbeliever, okay, So that would mean that the church is supposed to judge unbelievers inside the church and kick them out if they're sinning. Which is silly to me because like, what you're going to judge an unbeliever? I thought that was for God to do. Even if they're inside the church, what are we supposed to tell them to leave the church? They actually went on to say in the commentary that there's more likelihood that they'd get saved outside the church than inside the church. So some of these things are just kind of weird. But anyway, that's what he said. Okay, so... In the end, I mean, they have a you know. If you wanted to know a little the history of lordship salvation in modern times, it's not a new debate. It's been around for several centuries. But what happened in the 1940s, 1940s, 1970s was uh, MacArthur. I just keep using him because he's a leader in this movement and well known. But he he saw that in the church there are all these people who claim to be Christians, but their lives didn't look very Christian in his estimation. So he decided that something needed to be done. Something was wrong with his theology. And so he changed his theology and really began to emphasize, if you're really a believer, your life will look like this. And if you're if, if it doesn't look like this, then you're not really a believer. And so... Um, that became his solution, so maybe he had a right diagnosis, you know, like maybe it's true that there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians, but they don't really live a Christian life, okay, but his solution was not, I don't, in my estimation, the right solution, that's not the answer to the problem, uh, you don't sit there and then say, well, if your life looks like this, you're a believer, if, you, if it doesn't, you're not a believer, um, In in their view, in Lordship Salvation, the individual's volition is is pretty much eliminated for the most part. Because they're thinking that if a person has really believed, then they have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will produce these good works through them automatically. Okay, it's just automatic. Um, So, as far as like the volition of the believer, whether he wants to walk with the Lord or not, that's really, really downplayed. Okay, So... Um, there's a lot more theological problems with that and why they're doing that, but this is a basics class, so going into all those structures is, is complicated and would just, I think
0: in this case, confuse things.
1: But that's how they dealt with the passages that we, uh, we specifically looked at.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Beyond the Walls with Jeremy Thomas. If you found the lesson insightful, please consider subscribing below so that you don't miss any additional teachings from Jeremy. And if you're looking for additional resources or additional formats, links are in the description below. But above all, we want you to be encouraged and exhorted by the very Word of God. We hope that Jeremy is opening it up to you in a way that makes it even more understandable than what you've known in the past. So until next time, take care.